Hello, and welcome to Homework, a podcast by and for people who work from home. I'm your host, Harry Marks, and with me as always is Dave Kalo. Today's episode is all about failure. Hello, Dave. Hello. Did that uh, off the top of my head and almost got it. Uh, episode nine. This episode for Star Wars because yeah. the, th- the theme of that episode was failure. And uh, yeah, the theme I, I, epi- of this episode is failure. And I failed to mention that we're number 249. <laughs> True, if you're keeping track at home. So how have you been this week? I've been very good. I've been a little nutty. Uh, people listening along might know I'm uh, transitioning jobs right now. Same company. Ooh. I'm just moving from job A to job B. So these two weeks, I'm going crazy getting everything set up for my successor. Um, I want to, I'm like, I'm creating spreadsheets and stuff he needs to know. And, you know, da, 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 da. so I thought I could cruise, just sort of coast through these last two weeks, but it has been the opposite. <laughs> just <laughs> trying to crazily make sure everything is in place so that, you know, the person who takes over me for me feels like, you know, prepared and informed and all that kind of thing. I, the same thing happened to me when I left one firm for another and it was like, you know, I'm just going to like let it ride and take it easy. And I just, I remember yeah. uh, crafting a, a, a goodbye document with like, here are all the projects that are going on. Here's where they stand. Here are the people you need to talk to, you know, right. here's where everything is stored. Like all of that stuff was just an absolute nightmare. That's what I spent most of my two weeks doing. Yeah. So that's where I am too. I thought this would be easy, but it has just been like the hardest week of work in a yeah. long time. Yep. <laughs> But one week to go, and then I can relax. Very nice. So, hey, we should talk about next month just very briefly because yeah. it's going to be our first themed month. Yes, we're doing a, a whole a month of entrepreneurs. So I'm yeah. very excited. I talked to um, – uh, do we want to get into who's going to be joining us? Well, yeah, but we have um, some very special guests uh, that we're going to talk to. Um, some are uh, entrepreneurs. Um, some I have someone lined up who um, runs a business accelerator that uh, entrepreneurs have gone through. And Harry, nice. I know you've been talking to someone who produces a former tool of the week. That's right. I, I've been talking to Joey Cafone of Baron Fig. Um, mm-hmm. So he should be joining us. He's agreed to come on and, and talk about you know starting the company and growing it and you know so I, I I'm especially interested to hear how they've been doing during now with with COVID times and everything and right because they produce a physical product and I've been to their offices before and I, I am curious about how they handle you know prototypes or um, you know just it's it's one thing to pass files back and forth like Photoshop PSDs or, or whatever it is they're they're working with, but when you actually need to see the physical product together as a group and, and make decisions and things, how do you do that? So I'm I'm curious to see how they've handled that. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting. And some of the one of the entrepreneurs I'm going to have uh, come on has a very young company, and she was just getting off the ground when all of this happened. So I think it'll be another fun contrast to hear from someone with a well-established business. And as well as someone who, um, you know, was just getting going um, when everything yeah. came crashing down and how she has responded and uh, continues to uh, make the growth that she can during these these unprecedented times. You know <sighs> what I miss, Harry? I miss precedented times. I do, too. I miss. Could, I, could we return to precedented times, please? I would love to go back to a time where I didn't have to start every email with, I hope you're doing well during these unprecedented times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just make a text expander snippet for I that did. line. I did. I did make oh, a text expander. Yep, I did. 
Well, while preparing for next month's episodes, I realized I can't spell entrepreneurs to save my life. So now I opened up Text Expander, and if I just type period ENT, it will do it for me. Oh, I should do that. I spelled Triskaidekaphobia um, the first correctly on the first time the other day. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah, fear of number thirteen. It was for a cabinet story, which um, I'll I'll announce it here. I actually cut it out of the last episode because it hadn't been public yet. But um, Cabinet of Curiosities, Aaron Mankey's podcast. Uh, mm. He just recorded the five hundredth story, um, so I I got to hand in number five hundred last night, and it was very cool. It was very exciting. You should buy yourself a cake. Uh, yeah, I should buy myself a cake. I had a cookie, so something. <laughs> you should put those 500 stories into a book. That's what you should do. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping they, they do something like that to, you know, they, they did it with lore where they took a couple of stories. They took, um, a bunch of stories actually, and they spread it over three volumes and he added some other material and it, they came out really beautifully. They were there, these three volumes in different colors about different stories he covered on lore. Um, and I would love for them to do that with cabinet. There's so much material there. Fun, fun, fun. Yep. Uh, no one else is fun. Our tools of the week, Carrie. Last week, you were talking about some tool that you've fallen even more deeply in love with, and oh. I know you want to talk about it this week. Yeah. So I mentioned Descript last week, which I had had a little bit of time with before we recorded. And so if you listen to last week's episode, or well, at the time we're recording, it's this week's episode, but uh, episode two forty eight, um, I edited the whole thing in Descript, mm. and it is unreal like it was where i used to have to scrub the timeline and look for where we actually start the episode because we record a lot of banter back and forth before we actually kick off with hello and welcome to homework this is episode 249 you know there's about five ten minutes sometimes of me just scrubbing to find where that starts and in descript mm. because it works like a text editor i didn't have to do that i uploaded our joint audio um and it it recognized there are two speakers. It plays back a little bit of audio from one of us and says, identify this person, and then automatically applies that label to every audio clip where, where that person speaks, and then does the same for the other person. So it made editing so much easier, but I could I could scroll through, I could control F or, or command F and find where, you know, hello, welcome to homework. And I could delete everything before that, like I was deleting in a Google Doc, and then it bumped all of the audio back up to the top, and that edit was done. And the same thing at the end, where we sort of ramble at the end of the, the show, and, and um, you know, before, right after we sign off, or maybe during the sign off, deleted what I didn't need, and then it was done, and it was edited, and it adds like the faintest little, not a fade, but just enough dead air in between so it doesn't sound like a really harsh cut. It just makes mm. the whole editing process so much easier. And what I'd like to do is they have a roadmap and they actually make their Kanban board pretty public as to what they're working on. So they are working on the ability to record directly into Descript. As of right now, you can't record into it. You can import audio from other sources like a, mm -hmm. an MP3 or a Wave. Um, you can also record over Zoom and have the Zoom audio funneled into Descript simultaneously, which I would kind of want to try. Um, but that... I don't know if we're going to be able to do that kind of thing. That That's what I'd really like to do is just use Descript as the, the be-all, end-all for our recording process. But it strips out filler words like um, uh, the, like, you know. Um, I found it a little too aggressive 
in that regard. Um, mm. There were some sentences where there were a lot of ums that it heard and it just, it was so choppy. It couldn't add enough dead air in between. So mm. I, I was, I backed off the throttle a little bit. I would, I would love for it to be adjustable or at least so you could sort of scrub through and, and hear how it sounds before you remove it. It's kind of an all or nothing thing. Um, I would also love equalization or normalization. I should say you, there is an equalizer, but basically I'd love levelator built into this. So I didn't have to like oh, ex- yeah. mm-hmm. export it you know, run it through Levelator, re-import it, all that stuff. But I was able to add the intro music. Um, you can add as many tracks as you need, depending on the plan you have. Uh, it's just, it's it's an incredible tool, and I'm really excited to use it. So I, I think I might go, I might spring for the Pro subscription so we can start creating stock voices of ourselves, and I can make you say weird things. Because <laughs> that was another feature. If you didn't listen to last week, um, one of the features of Descript is... Let's say I introduced the show and I said, welcome to episode 250, but it's actually 249. I can type in 249 and my voice will read it without me having to re-record it because it has recorded my voice as a stock voice, which is just incredible. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited to to keep putting it through its paces. Indistinguishable from magic. It really is. I mean, it's it's one of those, those tools where... You don't know how they're doing it. You don't want to know how they're doing it. You just want to use it. Um, it really is just, it shouldn't exist. Like, it's just so cool <laughs> right. and and works so well. It's just, you something like this shouldn't exist. This is like the future. <laughs> right. So if you hear me saying things like, I like butts, it's not me. It's Harry fooling around uh, with making me say funny things. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, my tool is something called Later, uh, L-A-T-E-R, which you can find at Later.com. It's a marketing tool for Instagram. Um, what I really like about it is it takes care of the whole, the whole link in bio nonsense. Because as we know, for whatever reason, Facebook has decided that links are not live in Instagram. So, you have to do the link in bio thing. And mm-hmm. that means there's, you know, different strategies for using a bit.ly link or something in there. So you have to change it all the time. And, you know, it's a real hassle. Giving you a second to edit out my son walking down the stairs. I will command F this line and I will look for where you said that and I will delete it. (laughs) So what this does is when you, it's a scheduler, so you can schedule posts, you know, in the future and stuff like that. But it also has this really cool feature called link in bio so it will create a almost a board um that has in order the image from each of your instagram posts and each one of those images points to a url that you define so when someone taps the link in bio link in your instagram profile it comes to this page that looks like a gallery of all your most recent or all of your Instagram posts, except when you tap each one, it goes directly to the URL that you've defined. And it's so really nice. So if you're scrolling through and you see, oh yeah, that's the announcement about the festival. I tap the image like I would do an Instagram because their landing page looks just like Instagram and it brings you right to the festival website or a registration page or whatever you want. And it's super, super nice. And you don't have to ever change the actual link that's in your profile. You just get like a, it's called LinkedIn bio dot slash whatever your account is. And it's 
it's amazing. I first noticed Nerdist using it and was super impressed and went over to later to check it out and found out not only does it work and not only is it easy to set up, it's free. That service uh, doesn't cost you a darn thing. Uh, free for individuals forever. Uh, for $0 per month, you get one social set, which is like, um, you know, which one you want, uh, 30 posts per profile in one user. So for me, that's absolutely perfect. If you want to move up a little bit, there are... T- Three other tiers, starter, growth, and advanced. Uh, starter starts at seven fifty a month, which I think is very interesting. They added that fifty cents. Um, it just boosts the number of posts, and then you start boosting the number of users. Hmm. Uh, growth is sixteen fifty a month, and then advanced is thirty three dollars a month if you have unlimited users and unlimited posts and six play like, have a big team. But the whole Lincoln Bio thing is so impressive to me, and I've always found that to be a hassle, and it it works great. So. I'm I'm wondering because we use I I use Linktree in my um my Instagram as my link in bio so you can go find my book and and my blogs and all that so mm-hmm. what what would this do instead for me Yeah well let's say you have one post on Instagram about buy my book and then you have one post about sign up for my newsletter right and then you have one post about um the latest season of Cabinet's coming out and I want you to look at it so if you tap any one of those it can go right to the url you defined like right to it as opposed to going to linktree and the person's got to scroll again and find the right thing and then click it again i see it takes you right directly to the the page to buy the book or the page to sign up to the newsletter it's really 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 fun that's cool. cool i love that yeah, so that is later.com. Uh, all those things, everything I just described right now, you can get for free forever. Um, if you have a larger team or you need to put out a whole lot of posts, things start at just seven fifty a month build yearly. Excellent. All right. So that brings and us to hush. our yes. that brings us to our main topic for this evening, uh, failure. <laughs> brings us to the main topic uh, for this evening, failure. That is. Uh, yeah, it, it's the biggie. You know, the cliche is not a cliche. It's true. But, you know, when you, uh, you always extract a lesson from a failure, and that's something something you want to do. But it doesn't, even knowing that doesn't make it any more pleasant, does it? <laughs> when you put your heart into something and it just crashes and burns. Yeah. And and it, it does that a lot, it feels like. Um, you know, you, I know you had your experience with the, the, um, the, the accelerator that didn't pan yep. out. I've been writing right. books for 10 years, still have yet to be traditionally published or represented by an agent. Um, mm. And I've got hundreds and hundreds of rejections. And, you know, even when I get those little wins, like having a short story placed or, you know, people, someone buys my book, it still, it doesn't fill the void. Like it's still not exactly what I wanted. And I've heard, right. and I'm, I firmly believe like, even when I get what I want, it's not going to be enough, but it's just like, I've been working so hard at it, it's hard not to feel like a failure. Yeah, like when I look at what I'm trying to do now, well, we can go even back further, you know. Um, This is hardly my first podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I've had many. Uh, Homer uh, is the most successful yet, but I've had others that, you know, you and I joke nine people listen. I'm telling you, if nine people listened to the sci-fi cast, (laughs) then Good for those nine people. Like we had yeah. a great time doing it, but um, you know, we would we would make parody sponsorship bits <laughs> just to satisfy the uh, urge to have a sponsor. Um, so yeah, it can it can certainly be hard when you 
have a vision of where you'd like something to go. And from at least your observation spot, uh, you're doing everything necessary. Right. Uh, but it just doesn't get there. Yeah. And you, you see people who are doing something that doesn't seem to be different from what you're doing, but they they hit a different angle. They have a different audience. And for some reason, it clicks and they skyrocket while you flounder. I mean, I had I had my other podcast covered for four years. I interviewed authors from all walks. I had a, a writer from at the time Entertainment Weekly. Now he works for Vanity Fair. I've had bestsellers on. I've had I um Will Wheaton's wife and Wheaton. Um, she came on to talk about her picture book. Um, like I, I've had people from all over and and indie authors and everyone. Nothing. I had a few hundred dedicated listeners, which is great, but like nothing compared to what some of the other book podcasts were bringing in, you know, thousands of listeners every month. And I didn't know what it was. Like, what was I not doing that was enough for, for people? Um, was it the choice in guest? Was it the length of the podcast? Was it my, was I not advertising on social media enough? Um, yeah, it's just, it, you know, it's, it's hard to figure it out when you're in the middle of it because you're you're watching everybody go ahead of you and you're still standing in line, you know, holding the door for them. Yeah. Uh, I think of, my gosh, back in the day, like the early 2000s when I was um, running for the unofficial Apple weblog, we had just become purchased by AOL and we were all very excited with ourselves and we were sort of, you know, there's this sort of like, I don't know, little, what do you want to say, solar system of people who are in the same sort of field um, including one of them was Jackie Chang, who I got to know really well. Mm -hmm. um, she was working here and there. And to make a long story short, uh, she started wired, wirecutter.com, which got bought by the New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> so she's doing fine. <laughs> yeah. And there was a point where, uh, you know, I couldn't find uh, a paid online writing gig if, um, if uh, my life depended on it. So, uh, I mean, she's not taking anything away. She's a very intelligent, talented person. Um, but at the same time, you're like, well, we were kind of doing the same thing, <laughs> and here yeah. I am. So uh, there is a big if the, if the if we're looking at the failure pie, right? You're going to slice off a huge chunk of what am I doing wrong, um, and that's good. You're going to eat that piece, and it's going to be very unpleasant and bitter. Um, but <clears throat> there's something good in that too, isn't there? To not only gain the perspective of well, I'm doing some things right. And like you said, maybe something just didn't click for whatever reason. Um, and also, what can I do better? It's often a a good question if you don't ask it of yourself in a, I don't know, how do you say it? Like a harsh, judgmental way. Like, oh, you darn fool. <laughs> Stop producing garbage. Right. As opposed to, okay, well, let's take a week off or go live in a cabin for a week and think about what can I do? Yeah, there, there's this magician I follow on Instagram. His name is Jason. I want to say his last name is Ladanya, um, mm -hmm. L-A-D-A-N-Y-E. So I, it could be Ladane or Ladanya, depending on – I'm not entirely sure. But he's a terrific magician, but he has this blog post. Um, he, he writes a steady blog, and he has this post called Why I Love Failure. And he tells this story about how he was doing a show – and it was, I believe it was a private event, um, and he was showing them different card tricks and close-up magic, <clears throat> and he has this one uh, one instance where um, he accidentally flashes a card during a slight, so the, the spectator sees it as he's mm. palming it or, or tucking it under the deck or something, and she calls it out, she's like, I saw it, I swear I saw it, and he's like, oh god, oh god, and so he's doing these tricks, and he can feel himself flubbing the patter, flubbing a slight, but at the end of it, 
all he got was terrific feedback. They loved the show. They had a brilliant reaction to all the tricks he performed. They had nothing bad to say. But he knew he had done a ton of stuff wrong. And so he goes on in the post to talk about how he knows now what to do the next time. Like he he went home, he went through the routine and where he was making the mistakes. And he he figured out a new technique to to palm the card where he wouldn't flash it so easily. Um, hmm. and and different ways to 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 hide and do the different slights so that when he went out the next time and performed the same routine, he wouldn't trip up. He worked on his patter. He worked on, you know, how he talks to the audience and and how he engages them and and has them interact with him. So you know, his failure taught him how to be a better magician, be a better performer and showed him, you know, here's where you're making garbage. Now you don't, now you don't need to make garbage anymore. You know what you're doing wrong. Yeah. And it's, it can be hard to approach it that way. Can't it? Because that little devil on your shoulder, who's saying garbage is so vocal and persistent. Yeah. Um, so I like to put some distance in between myself and, uh, like a recent failure, um, otherwise, I'm just I'm just fueling that little devil. <laughs> I was going to call him something else, but this is a family show. <laughs> and if I put some distance aside, um, that's when I start to look at things more constructively. Yeah, and that's why they say, you know, when you write a book, walk away from it for a month after the first draft. Walk mm -hmm. away, pretend like you never wrote it, and then when you come back to it, you look at it as though it's a brand new thing that y you didn't write, that you can look at it with objective, more objective eyes. Um, yeah. I don't have that ability i need to like get it done <laughs> and i can't walk away from it until it's done and maybe that's why i haven't been doing well with with my books but at the same time i've gotten great reviews from people who've read the one i self-published so mm -hmm. you know i don't know but um you know i you you need to sort of have an objective view of what you're doing if you're not pulling in the audience you want, the numbers you want, the reaction you want, like uh, the shelf life. I absolutely adore making the show. It is so fun. Um, I love writing it. It's enriching for me. At the same time, I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it because I want people to hear it. And if no one's hearing it, then why am I doing it? Um, I never really ascribed yeah. to the whole, I could never not be a writer. I have to write stories. Like, yeah, I mean, that's true to a point. But at the same time, I'm not doing this for my health. I'm doing this because I want people to read my stuff. And if they're not going to read my stuff, <laughs> right. then I really don't see the point in me doing it anymore. Um, and I, I've had those those feelings. Like, if I if this next book doesn't do anything, if this doesn't get an agent at the very least, even if it doesn't get sold, if I can't get an agent with this, then I feel like, why should I bother? Like... I'll go work in the White House and then write a tell-all after it. Like, like that, that honestly seems easier for me getting a book deal <laughs> than writing a novel. Yeah, and there's that throw-your-hands-up moment, right? Like, uh, when I was a young lad, I played drums. I started playing when I was seven, and I went to uh, – even after I went to music school, after high school and everything. And so when you're uh, – when I was a young – you know, I was not even a musician at this point, just a kid <clears throat> who played drums – and it's doing band and orchestra and all that nonsense. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you hear Neil Peart for the first time, and that's when you want to say, okay, forget this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll never do that. Uh, or, you know, if you want to play basketball and you see Michael Jordan or, you know, King James play, and you just say, are, really, are you kidding me? But uh, and uh, I, I understand that, but I really don't like that because, like, Neil Peart, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, they're like 1%. Right. They're so celebrated that we think that's the target. Um, and I'm not saying shoot low. I'm saying these are like phenoms. <laughs> these right. people. And they also, you know, a lot of these bands, like 
Nirvana and um, you know the Beatles, like these guys that got started young. They did it in their garage or in a club. They they worked their way up, but at the same time, they got to a point where they didn't have to work a nine to five and then squeeze in practice around that. Yeah. So they could dedicate their literally their entire lives to music and and hone their skills and you know uh, really become the best of the best. And so, you know, they have that leg up on everybody to do that while the rest of us are like, well, I guess I could do rehearsal after I'm off work at 530. Yeah. Right. The Beatles were playing two and three gigs a day. Yeah. It's it, crazy. It's it's like when when MFA writers say, you know, oh, you know, if you don't get an MFA, then, you know, what what what's the reason you're even trying to write professionally? And it's like, well, I'm sorry, I didn't have a rich daddy who, you know, sent me to to Iowa writers workshop for two years. Like, and I'm not saying they all do that. There are people who put themselves through and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not belittling them at all, but you know, there, there is a, a certain, I don't want to say cult, but there's a, a subsect of um, MFA writers who believe like, if you don't get an MFA, then you're not a real writer. And then there's people like me who say you're a writer if you write. So mm-hmm. take your pick. Yeah. I certainly understand that. Uh yeah, I, I I can see both sides. Um when I was young and people would call me a musician, I was always quick to stop them and say that's incorrect. Right. <laughs> uh because I've I mean I certainly took music lessons and I was in jazz band and all that nonsense when I was young. But for me, I don't know, I had this like lofty ideal of who who a musician was. Like I thought if I graduated from Berkeley College of Music and then got a job playing mm-hmm. music, then I could, then I had earned the title. Um, but other than that, I have not. Like, I would not consider myself a musician now, even though I can play drums and piano. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, that might be my own hang up. <laughs> and you're not the only one, though. There. There, there's a bit of that imposter syndrome in there, too. You know, I'm, I'm not good enough to be called this thing, even though I've, I've spent years doing it. I play saxophone mm-hmm. and bass and guitar. And I don't feel like I'm a musician. And I've been playing saxophone since I was eight years old. So mm. I've I've played clubs in New York. I've played weddings. I've played cocktail hours. And and by I've been paid for my playing. Like I I am a mm-hmm. professional musician when it comes down to it. And I still don't consider myself a musician mainly because right. I haven't done but, it in like five six years. Um, but is that and is that the definition? You get paid to do it, right? <clears throat> I've been paid right. to write. I've been, but I would not call myself a writer. And I've been paid to edit, but I would not call myself an editor. That's just absurd. Even though I've self-published a book, I wouldn't call myself an author. Because to me, being an author means someone else said it was good enough to be published. And that's my hang-up. I'm not saying that is true for everyone. Yeah. Um, but that's my hang-up with it. I can say I'm a writer. I write. And I write professionally. Um, but to say I'm an author, I, I still don't feel comfortable saying that. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Welcome to therapy with Dave and Harry. <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, this 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 is where the these feelings of failure come from, and the the question is, how do we move beyond them? Yeah, that's the question. So these times happen when uh, you look at the person who's had the success that you are aiming for, or you hesitate to um oh, not apply a label to yourself, but you know what I'm trying to say, assign a What's the word I want to use, Harry? You're the writer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm a writer, a, not a talker. <laughs> not a title. You know, what I'm trying to say like you. You've earned the title of 
musician or writer or wedding photographer or whatever you want. Um, so if you're at that point where you think you don't want to succumb to the despair, um, you want to learn the lessons and improve yourself. Right. Um, how could you, what would you say to someone who's looking to make that transition? I mean, if they're, if they're famous enough or if they've, if they're not even famous enough, but if they've been around long enough and they've done podcast interviews, they've done uh, blog interviews, they've written blogs, you know, read their stuff, listen to their, their interviews, listen to them, tell the stories of, of how they got their start. And, you know, there's, there's always a little bit of fibbing in there or, or in a lot of cases, humility, like, oh, it was just the right place at the right time. And it's like, "Mm, yeah, but at the same time, there was a healthy dose of luck and there was you know, you, you had the right audience and the right person saw you at the, you know, at that exact moment, but still there are gems to be gleaned from listening to them, tell their stories. And in that, in those stories, there's probably something in there that you aren't doing or aren't doing to the level that they were doing. You know, if they're, if they're spending three hours a night on their side project and they got big and you're only spending one hour on it, maybe you need to put a little more time into it, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Or make sure you're putting time into the right area of that. Right, exactly. You know, a, and and there's a big thing now with um, newsletter subscribers or with newsletter creators. They're sending out um, polls to their subscribers, asking, you know, what what do you like about this? What do you not like about this? You know, would you consider reading a section based on X Y Z? And I've thought about doing that because I I've. I'm still sort of shifting what my newsletter is about. It's writing focused, but I've never really been happy with what I do. Um, and I've thought about sending a poll out to people and asking, you know, what do you think about such and such uh, of me doing such and such thing in my newsletter in a future issue? And if they if they agree to it and they like it, then I'll put it in. And if not, then I'll ignore it. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm thinking of back when I was writing for uh, on Clutterer, one of the you know, after three or four years, it gets hard to come up with topics. And so I, I published a post that was, um, what's bothering you right now? What's driving <laughs> you crazy as far as clutter is concerned? And Jackie is here, um, my erstwhile editor uh, in the Discord. <laughs> Hello, and Jackie. I think, we got, I think we got more than 60 comments on that post. And I mined it for posts, future posts for a long time. So I think asking your audience, what do you want or you know, what could I do is a great way to mine for content. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're one person. Uh, and even if you're a small team, that's one or two, three people maybe. And, you know, you've got this wide audience and you can cast a wide net. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you got a bunch of article ideas out of that exercise. Oh, so many, so many. I kept going back to that comment thread and scroll through up. Oh, here's one. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. I'm just reading through exactly. the chat. So yeah, it sounds oh. like, it sounds like that that paid off for everyone at Unclutterer. Yeah, it was great. Um, it was a great way to, uh, yeah, mine for topic ideas. It got kind of hard. Although I did like writing the Unitasker posts, the uh, mm. silly kitchen item that takes up an enormous amount of space and only does one thing. And yeah, mediocre at that. And like that's your taco heater or something. That's. That sort of leads into the next thing I want to talk about, which is, you know, look for where, you know, for example, years ago, I used to run my, my blog, Curious Rat, went through several iterations. And for a while, it was a, a tech analysis blog similar to Daring Fireball or um, not so much Mac stories, but a lot of the, the, the 
like Marco's blog, Marco Arment, you know, the, mm-hmm. the pundit kind of style of here's some news about Apple and um, here's my take on it or here's some news about Google. Here's my take on it. Um, and, you know, I got one or two posts that really hit it big, um, especially after being on Daring Fireball. But other than that, nobody really read my stuff. And it wasn't fun for me after a while. And I wasn't really fulfilling a niche that anyone wanted because they had it 12 other places. And I just wanted to be a part of that. And so I think if you're trying to capitalize on something that everyone else is doing, you know, it's the same kind of thing. When Twilight got big, everyone was writing vampire novels and suddenly the world, you know, agents were just inundated with manuscripts about sparkly vampires. And that, that ran its course very quickly. So you know, it's the same kind of thing. If you're if you're trying to fulfill a niche that's already been filled, you're not doing the right thing. Look for where, you know, you can excel. What is your what is your knowledge specifically about and how can you channel that into something that will work out for you? It's like Merlin Manoy says, anybody can write a Star Wars blog, but you, you know this one thing or you know everything about this one Jawa. Write the blog about the Jawa and then people will come to you to learn about the Jawa. Yeah. God, I forget who the newscaster I saw in some interview who said, when I was really young, I wanted to be Walter Cronkite, but then I learned we already have Walter Cronkite. Right. Uh, Speaking of Twilight, did you know that started as Fifty Shades of Grey fan fiction? Oh, absolutely. I had no idea. I I learned that recently. Yeah, that that started as Fifty Shades fan fiction. She changed the names. And uh, yeah, the rest is sadly history. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. I didn't know that at all. I, uh, you know, I, I've never read Twilight. Um, at the sadly was actually more at Fifty Shades, not Twilight. Uh, mm. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, I heard it's good. Uh, I actually heard the Twilight's better than Fifty Shades. So there you go. Mm. I've not read or seen either, but I'm an old man. So yeah, I tried I reading Fifty to music Shades from twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I. It's so funny. I was always like 20 years behind what I should have been listening to as a child. So while everybody was listening to, you know, Green Day in the 90s and and Nirvana and all this stuff, I was still listening to the Beatles and Earth, Wind and Fire. <laughs> and yeah, I just got to the 80s like 10 years ago. So. <laughs> oh, enjoy. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, I'm learning. <laughs> So I guess the uh, takeaway is if you're experiencing failure or frustration or imposter syndrome, uh, I would say step away if you can. Take mm-hmm. some time away from whatever is giving you a, a hard time so you can look at it with uh, the least critical mindset. Try to, like Harry said, talk to someone or listen maybe to a podcast that they were on or read a book or an interview or I'd even say reach out. Sometimes I've reached out to people whose work I really admire, and I've been amazed that they've written back, even if it was brief. Mm-hmm. Um, so do that and just say, hey, how did you get to do X, Y, and Z? And I'd like to do X, Y, and Z too. Um, if you don't hear back, you don't. Um, if you do, you do. So um, you know, it's, it's really not going to hurt to try, as my mother used to say. Um, Harry, what other advice would you have to people as takeaways from this episode if they're frustrated with – what they perceive as continued failure. Um, ask people what they think, you know, at, run a poll, run, ask a question just like you did with Unclutter, what's bothering you. You know, if you if you put out something once a week or 
once a month, like a podcast or a newsletter, ask your subscribers, what do you, what do you like it? What don't you like? What do you want to hear about more? Um, and see if that aligns with the things you want to talk about and the things you want to write about. Cause if you're just writing to, because it's, it's a hot topic or you want to get into a certain, um, genre or, or, you know, area where you want to make a lot of money or, or whatever it is, you want to be someone known for that kind of thing but it's not what you're passionate about, they'll see that. They'll see that you, you don't have that passion for it and you're just doing it. You're going through the motions because you want to get in on it. So ask them, you know, what do you want to hear more about? And, you know, how, how can I better cater to my audience? And that doesn't mean you have to take every uh, recommendation and every suggestion at face value and in implement it immediately. But, you know, sit on it for a while, analyze it, see where, you know, you overlap with how they feel and, and work that into what you're putting out. And also, uh, you know, NaNoWriMo is coming up. Find a group, find people, put your work in front of other people before it goes out. Um, you know, find beta readers, oh, yeah. find critique partners, find uh, people who can look at your work before it actually goes out to the public and help you hone it so it's the best that it mm -hmm. can be. Sensitivity readers, too. Sen sensitivity readers, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my advice. I also, one trick I've done before is Quora.com. Do you know Quora.com? It's like Yahoo Answers. Yes, so I have put in there a topic, um, and it comes up with all sorts of popular questions that people are asking around that topic, and so that's sort of a way to mine also uh, like post ideas or article ideas, because this is stuff people are asking around that. So right now I'm looking at, uh, why was Gladriel not invited to the Council of Elrond? I don't know, but if you write about Lord of the Rings, there's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Or um, why don't Formula One cars have airbags? I don't know. But if you write about Formula One cars, there's a question that people are asking. Do you know the answer? Write the article. So uh, go to Quora, put your keyword in, and see what people are asking around that thing. And you can ask, essentially, the internet at once what they want to know about your topic. Also, Reddit's probably a good place to do this, too. You know, if you're an expert in something and... You know, someone's asking a question about a certain topic that you know everything about. Go into Reddit and, and show off your, your knowledge and sort of build a reputation there, build an audience there. Is Reddit like, I guess I think of Reddit as Mos Eisley. Like it used to be hive of scum and villain. It used to be. It, it used to be a lot more 4chan-y than 4chan is now. Mm -hmm. um, but it's gotten a lot better and if you have a, a hobby, like if you're very big into mechanical keyboards or magic or um, or writing or podcasting or, or any anything under the sun, there is a Reddit group for it. And mostly people have been very welcoming, very uh, accommodating and mm -hmm. helpful if you ask questions. You know, every once in a while you get some schmuck who's who's being smartass and, and snide and, you know sarcastic to you and not giving you a real answer or making fun of you for asking a question. But for the most part, 99% of the interactions I've seen have been really helpful from people who just want to okay. show how knowledgeable they are and, and welcome you into the group. So it isn't just 14 year olds being gross and slightly racist. No, no. I mean, I primarily look at it for the, am I the a-hole questions? Like, you know, <laughs> I wore white to my sister's wedding. Am I the a-hole? Yeah, you Holy are. Holy cow. <laughs> 
Uh, well, we are certainly not the a-hole, and listeners, you are not the a-hole because you're listening to the show. That's right. If you, if you want to learn more about the show, you can go to 5by5.tv slash homework. That's numeral five. Don't spell out five. And if you want to find the show notes from this episode, where is that, Harry? Uh, 5by5.tv slash homework slash 249. Mm-hmm. If you want to learn more about me and all my goodies, and if you want to buy cool content for your Dungeons & Dragons game, go to my link tree. It's linktree slash Dave Kalo. And Harry, you've got the link tree as well. I do. It's linktr.ee slash hcmarks. Great. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Hey, uh, check out the Discord. There's a link always in the Twitter if you want to come and hang out, ask us questions, talk back and forth with other listeners, and even listen to us record the show live on Thursday yeah. night so you can brag to all your friends that you've already heard next week's episode. That is how to do that. It's uh, also in the show notes, too. See? Harry's on top of things. That's why Harry's on top in charge of the show notes. That's right. Until then, thanks for listening, everybody, and go get some work done. Bye. Bye.